0: in heaven nothing is more important than your eternal future churches are full of individuals who know the Bible believe everything about Jesus but they're not saved they're unsaved believers many people within the churches say that no one not even Christians can stop sinning given that the wages of sin is death, according to Romans 6.23. And the issue of sin in Christian's life should be looked at closely as we will all stand before the judge of this earth. If you don't know the basic Bible message, how to be saved, then you need to get with someone and let them know that you would like to know how to be saved and because you want to go to heaven when you die. But many are misled into thinking that they are eternally saved because they said a prayer once ask Jesus into their heart. They go to a particular church or they pray a lot or so on and so on and their family is a good Christian or their church leader says so or whatever. You're not saved because your husband is saved or your wife is saved. You're not saved because you do a lot of good things. We could go on and on on the things that are good. Not one or even all of them will get you to heaven. Jesus said in Luke thirteen three. Unless you repent, you too will all perish. Repentance begins when a person has sorrow toward God because of their sin, and this leads to a willingness to turn away from all sin and to turn to God for forgiveness. It doesn't mean that you stop sinning for a little while, that's a fad. You're doing that for somebody. But in Second Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10, Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10, for godly sorrow work of repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world work of death. Godly sorrow, work of repentance. When you, I, look at our lifestyle, look at the person that nobody knows except you and God. You and God. I don't think that anybody in this room, no matter how well I know you, there's a different view of you and God. How does God look upon me? Repentance begins when a person has sorrow toward God because of their sin and this leads to a willingness to turn away from sin and to turn to God. Isn't that what Second Corinthians 7, 10 says, for godly sorrow work of repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world, work of death. It is more than a mere change of mind. It is a change of lifestyle. It is more then just a change of mind. It's more than just being sorry for sins, being sorry enough to quit. It's more than just being sorry for sins, it's being sorry enough to quit. When anyone repents, God sends the Holy Spirit into their lives to give them the power needed to begin a new life. We cannot change on our own. Notice with me in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, beginning with verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. What's he saying here? But as many as received him, to them, those who received him, he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now he goes on to tell us, which were born not of the blood. My kids were not saved because their mom and dad is saved. Nor of the will of the flesh. I want to quit. I wish I didn't do these things. I had a person tell me that this past week. How do I quit doing these things, Brother Sony? You can't. You ask God to take them away from you. And to do that, you've got to start having a personal relationship with the Lord. Just quitting your sin, if you're out here committing adultery and fornication, if you're out here getting drunk and high on drugs and, and whatever, you can quit. There's programs that you can quit, but that don't save you. But when God saves you, he'll take those things away. It's a struggle sometimes. But God can and will do it. But we gotta want to. Whatever our fault is, we gotta want. I'm sick and tired of my attitude. You think God can change it, or do you enjoy your attitude? In the book of Hebrews, six one Hebrews, six one God said. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Let's don't go make our life where I make a profession of faith every six months or every year or every two years. But make sure that our relationship with God is built on the word of God. That you know that you are a sinner. That what you're doing is wrong. And you cannot stop it by yourself. And I know there's those who said, oh, I, I smoked for 40 years. I drank for 40 years. I was unfaithful for 40 years. And I decided I don't want it anymore and I should stop. You're still going to hell if you don't know Jesus. That's what it's all about. I don't think the average person understands, and I'm preparing a message on that, and I'm going to make you all a copy of it, and I hope some of you will read it. Why is the invasion of Ukraine so significant to the second coming of God? It's more than some madman over there trying to take over the world. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. God said here in the gospel of St. John the 8th chapter, Verse 1, Jesus went up, went unto the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him. He sat down and taught them. We would call that a Bible study. We used to have those young at heart, Bible studies. See, I'm still old-fashioned. I, I don't like to eat one meal a day and say I don't need to eat very much or I don't work. I eat like I work hard. You know, we need to feed our body physically and spiritually. We need to feed our body physically with the right kind of food. And we need to study the Word of God with the right attitude. Lord, I have a desire for you to show me what I need to do. Lord, I've got a desire to, for you to show me all of these things are happening. Show me what significance that is to your coming. God said, Early in the morning he came into the temple and all the people came unto him and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery and when they had set in the midst they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? They were concerned, wasn't they? No, they weren't. They were going to see if Jesus was going to follow the letter of the law. They knew the law. This they said, what? Tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stood down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto him, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. We always want to point to somebody, don't we? What about us? What about the little secret sins, the secret thought sins? Hypocrisy and whatever. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the elders, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself, he saw none but the woman. He said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He didn't say, Let's go and carry on. Don't you sin no more. Then Jesus spake unto them, unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. When we recognize that Jesus lives in us, we are concerned about us. If I'm what I ought to be, if you're what you ought to be, then somebody's going to see the difference. My wife, she's concerned about her children. What did we do wrong, Tony? Oh, I got saved. That's what I did wrong. What about you? Oh, when my kids come in, I say, I'm glad to see has a baby. Let me see that baby. Now, you are taking that baby to a sound Sunday school, aren't you? I mean, because you do care about it, right? Well, I just answered, why well, they don't come around very much. Some of you may be thinking, you're wrong. Got more people on your side than I got on my side. But I know I'm right because my responsibility never stops trying to lead my children to the Lord. The Bible makes clear that we are all sinners and that it is impossible for us to keep ourselves from sin. Well, preacher, you may sin. I don't sin. Yeah, you do. Romans 8, verse 7 says this. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, and neither indeed can be. You don't have some thoughts you shouldn't have. You had an opportunity to stand up for the Lord, and you didn't do it. Sinful man is hostile to God. He does not submit to God's law, nor it can can do it. Romans 6.23, we all know that. For the wages of sin is death. A gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is no life except through Jesus Christ. The Bible makes it clear that we are all sinners and that it is impossible for us to keep ourselves from sin. Romans 8, verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Can't please him. Cannot please him. It's impossible. Because this body came into this world a sinner. And he'll leave this world a sinner in the body. But the spiritual man, I'm going to get a new body. Fashion likened to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. In verse three. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent in his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, continued sin in the flesh. Now, you notice verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Going down to verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. We owe a debt we cannot pay. Because he paid my sin debt on that cross. I have a responsibility not to the flesh but to my faith. Do you live according to the Spirit and meet God's righteous requirements? The Bible lists many sinful lifestyles that will bring God's condemnation, separation from Him. The list includes, and not all, lying. Never seen as many people that still says, Look at you. Lying to you, they know they're lying, they know that you know they're lying, and they just keep on lying. Know anybody like that? Lust? Pornography? God knows what is on every one of our iPhone. Oh, my son would never do that. Of course not. Is he dead? The flesh is our enemy. The flesh is our enemy. Stealing? No Christian would steal, would they? Greed, discord, jealousy, fits of race, selfish ambition. We wouldn't do any of those. But secretly, I don't know, and I'm glad I don't know, because, but God knows. You know, I was uh, ran over at uh, Lowe's in Maysville with a friend of mine. And this uh, woman walked in front of me and my friend, and he said, man, I like that outfit. You do? What about buying your wife one and let her come over with Lowe's with you? oh, I wouldn't want my wife wearing that, then what was he doing to that woman? He was lusting after that woman. That's what he was doing. Why do you get all tore up over some woman dressed like a whore when you wouldn't let your wife dress like that? Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Remember what he said in John 3? I mean, you know, if we just read John 3 every day, you know. God said in John the third chapter, there was a man of uh, the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art teacher come from God. For no man do these miracles that thou dost except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, of a truth of the truth, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot seize the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Yeah, I haven't heard anybody on visitation say that, but I'm sure some of you men who, when we have an visitation, have drawn with me and we've heard people say, Well, you know, I ask them, Are they saved? Oh, I've been Baptized. I go to Sunday school, I'm the uh, treasurer in the church, I'm this, I'm that. None of those will save you. None of those will save you. Morality is good, but morality will not save you. The question is, are you keeping Jesus' commands? Are you saved from a corrupt lifestyle or are you an unsaved believer? Are you? I think it's something that I don't, you know. Some of y'all won't know him, I'm sure. So and probably Harold and Judy. And, but there was a deacon at Bryan Station, Brother Gabor. I've been saved 50-some years. He's the only man that's ever came up to me and said, Brother Tony, I love you, brother. Have you been born again? Why would a deacon ask a preacher if he's been born again? Because Brother DeBoer knows it's a lot difference being saved than it is being baptized. He knows it's a lot difference between being saved and being a preacher. Would that offend you if somebody came up and said, Sister Chrissy, are you a born again Christian? Well, what have I done that Now, see, we want to take the, we ought to thank God that there are people out there that cares enough for your soul to ask you that question. I mean, are we any closer to the Lord than, oh, what was that, Father? Oh, Nicodemus? We need to examine ourselves. Not get mad because somebody loves you enough to... Are you sure you're saved? Are you sure your baptism is scriptural? Me and my wife both was baptized under the authority of the Baptist Church in Georgetown, Brother Bill de Rosset baptize baptized, both of us. God called me to preach. I went to Lawrenceburg, and I started to work. I was down there a few years. And my wife came to me one night, and she said, I know I'm saved, but I'm not sure about my baptism. But how will that affect your ministry? I don't care. For you to have scriptural baptism is more important than somebody Questioning what I do or don't do, or you done and don't do. See, doing what God wants us to do is the most important thing you can do every day of your life. Are you keeping Jesus' commands? Are you saved from a corrupt lifestyle? Or are you an unsaved believer? There's, there's lost people that know Scripture as well or better than me. I like to say, does the Scripture know you? Does the Scripture live inside of you? Remember, you cannot be a sinless, perfected. Life, but to be saved, you must be kept by the Spirit from deliberate, habitual sins. You simply cannot continue to lust or hate or use drugs or use alcohol or go out and have sex with people other than your wife. But that's trauma now. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to blank us from blank unrighteousness. You know what those two words are? Purify and all. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all sins. you have even the slightest doubt about your salvation, take it to the Lord in prayer. Ask him to show you your own heart. Well, I know my heart. No, you don't. So, well, Pastor, you don't know whether I do or not. No, I don't, but God's word says you don't. So if you want to argue with the the Lord, that's Between you and him. But I can tell you here, here in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, God said that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, searches the heart. I try the reins, even to. Give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. He searches the heart. He knows my true heart. You know. Nothing is too big for God to handle. All things are possible with God is what Mark ten twenty seven. You know, people said, why do you keep praying? Why do you keep praying for something and don't you know it's just God's will for it not to happen? And the person's said that in front of me, and I said, I just heard what you said, this fellow. It was at a doctor's office. I said, could I ask you a a question? You mean I should stop praying for my wife because for years now he hadn't chose to heal her? Yeah, I guess that's what I was saying. Then you don't know the same God I know. Sorry I interrupted y'all's conversation. I don't care if God ever answers my prayer with my wife and she dies and goes to heaven while I'm still living. He is a just and faithful God. That doesn't take away my responsibility. God tells us that the wages of sin is death. Death. Sin may be pleasurable for a little season, but hell is eternal destruction. Please note that nowhere does the Bible say that a Christian can lead a sinful life. You can't be a half-saved any more than a woman can be half-pregnant. You're either saved or you're not saved. You're in the will of God or you're not. If you're backslidden, go to Jesus in repentance and receive him as your Lord and Savior to cleanse you from sin and through the Spirit to enable you to walk in holiness. Please don't have confidence in prayer you said a long time ago. I believe that I can safely say that every parent in here that is saved has prayed that their children be saved. I believe I can say that and have confidence. Very important point as we prepare to close. There is nothing we can do to work our way to heaven. Salvation is through repentance and faith in Jesus alone. Though this faith, we are forgiven and strengthened to walk in holiness. What God requires of us is to recognize our sin and to let Jesus do the work. Wasn't that what he said in John 1, 9, 1 John 1, 9? if we confess our sins, he will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. You know. John, the sixth chapter. And the 29th verse, John 6, Twenty nine. Then Jesus said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom ye have sent. The word believe means to trust in and continue to trust in. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, Ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit to mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. See, what that verse tells us, we've got a responsibility. I've got a responsibility that if I'm doing something that's affecting me physically, spiritually, or mentally, to stop doing that. That's my responsibility. Now, I've got enough confidence in, in you that are here today that you love your children. You love your grandchildren. And there's people that you just love to be around. You may meet on vacation. You may go to a conference. You may do it. And you would really like for them to be what they say they are. But we know that the flesh will take you away. That flesh will cause you to do things, to think things that you would normally not think or do if you were with a brother or sister in the Lord. Just remember. I told one young lady that y'all know her parents, all of you know her parents, she's struggling. I'm, i Pray for our counselor. Don't let nobody say, oh, you can't quit. You can quit. You can quit. But you gotta quit for yourself. I wanna I wanna be a better person. I wanna be a good husband, a good father, a good brother. A good uncle. I want to be there for those that I love. But the devil says, you can't quit. I'm telling you by the authority of God's word, you can. Whatever it is, whatever is dragging you down, God can take it out. See, the work of God is this. To believe in the one he sent. The word believe means to trust in and continue to trust in. You know, that's how you keep a marriage together, you keep loving that person keep loving that person and you let that person know that you love them. As we close, we need to rely on God to keep us day by day because our sinful nature says stays with us until the day we die. I have a book entitled The Perseverance of the Saints. Man, it's a a good book. Fifty-some years ago, God saved me. And he's helped me to persevere ever since. To keep on keeping on. Some days I let him down, and when I let him down, it affects me. You may not know it, but I know it. I was not a light for you today, Lord. I'm sure glad that my family didn't see what I was thinking. But he keeps on loving me. He keeps on loving me. So as we close, turn in your Bibles to First Peter. 1 Peter, chapter 1, and verse 15. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That word, conversation here, means lifestyle. See, I'm not ashamed to tell you who my wife is. And I'm not ashamed to tell you where i go to church. And I'm not ashamed to tell you in the world that I love Jesus because he first loved me. Song later, the pianist Trump. If God has spoke, you come and tell us.